0: Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Stories in the Dark. This is season three of our spooky little podcast, and our theme this season is monsters and mayhem. I hope you enjoy our stories, because we certainly enjoy you. As you know, it's been a while since we've talked. If you're looking for a little more, go ahead and check out the Fantastical Writers podcast. I did a little interview about these stories, and so I would appreciate it if you would go check them out and give them a listen. But, getting down to business, this week we have a story for you called... The actor. You are the best actor in your family, she says, licking the rim of her martini glass, sugar and salt mixing on her tongue while her eyes hold mine. I feel my mouth twist and try to force a smile. She meant it as a compliment, after all. She doesn't know any better. I finish my drink and move on. I can't do anything with that. Not tonight. I try to find someone who doesn't know who I am, but she follows me, still holding the drink I bought her. I love your show, she says behind me, and I close my eyes for a second and don't say anything. I just keep walking through the tables, unseeing, I know my way around. I don't know how you do it, she continues, not seeming to care that she's the only one in this conversation. How do you do it? The things you do. I don't want to talk about the show. I have a new movie out. It's doing pretty well, but I don't look like me in it. It won't make me famous. No one will recognize my face from it. It's the work I'm the most proud of, but it's not what people like this want to talk about when they see me in a bar. It never will be, either, no matter how much money it makes. They all just want to talk about the show. Or, sometimes, the other show. The new one. But mostly, it's that first one. I turn and catch the bartender's eye and he nods, we're both used to this. A gentleman in a nice jacket comes and whispers in her ear, escorts her out. She shoots me one last look, equal parts anguished and angry, and I sit and finish my drink. I am too used to that look, I hate it, it always means trouble. Well, aren't you lovely? There's a woman standing at my table. She is quite tall from where I'm sitting. Her dark hair blots out the antique-looking heavy glass lamps of the bar. I love those lights. They give the bar an old-world feel that appeals to a part of me that I do, on occasion, like to indulge. I can't see her very well. She looks blurry. Maybe it's the light. Her tight white dress doesn't look anything like a wedding dress or a funeral shroud. But for some reason, I think of both. She pulls out the other chair and sits across from me. She's pale, all sharp cheekbones and angled eyes above a narrow nose tapering down to red, red lips. She looks like the woman who plays my mother on the show. No, she looks like my mother on the show, just younger. The actress who plays her is known to be one of the most beautiful actresses in the world. She has played femme fatales for longer than I've been alive. Whoever she is... This woman has her look down to a T. Black coat, white dress, red lips, hair trailing down her back, and, above all, witchy, witchy eyes. She lets me look at her. She must be used to it. I don't even know what to say. I'm terrified of this woman. She raises one thin, white finger, and the bartender brings her something amber in a short glass surrounding a square rock of ice. She says the name of my character on the show, and I look away. Some women like to talk to me as if I'm him. Some women want to play, like they're in one of the more famous scenes from the show. Whatever this is, I want no part of it. I get up from the table, I leave the bar, and I head up to my room. I live here, but it is no life. She does not follow me. Not all of them do. My door has extra locks on it, and I lock all of them, one by one. I count them to make it real. Counting things and naming things makes them true. When the door is real and truly locked, I take off all my clothes. The black coat. The gray scarf. The elegant, dark gray shirt. Black pants. When I am done, I stand naked in the bathroom, naked and pale. In the weak light, it looks like my eyes are large gray pools rimmed in black. I watch my pupils expand and contract, expand and contract, like black wings beating in my eyes. I light a candle and take a shower in the dark, only the flickering candle lighting the room, filling the air with the scent of expensive things. I am in there for so long, the hot water searing my skin, but nothing mars its perfect smoothness. The clock ticks loudly, from the other room. Tick, tick, tick. I hate that fucking clock. Still damp, I pad into the living room of the suite and stare at the clock in its black wooden frame. It looks like it belongs in this room where everything is black and white, even me with my black hair. I slide one of the wood chairs over to the wall and stand on it to reach the clock. It ticks in my hands now. It pulses like a heart beating. Tick, tick, tick. My fingers are long and delicate. Many lovers, men and women, have told me I have the hands of a pianist but piano is not my talent. I gently stroke the glass, the frame, before turning the clock over and stroking the cardboard backing, sliding my fingers to the battery casing. I rip off the battery cover and take it out, one of those rectangle ones, solid and heavy. It thunks when I set it on the side table. Now it will always be midnight in the room. 12.03 a.m. to be exact. Forever. Footsteps echo outside my door and I tense, worried that one of the women has come for me. What lovely lips you have, they say to me. Eyes on my mouth, ears never on my words. They want to devour me, starting with my lips, then my eyes. They want to run their hungry hands over my abs while, in their minds, I will stare at them soulfully, just like he does on the show. The footsteps fade and I relax. Whoever they are, they aren't here for me. I feel the chill air on my skin and realize I am still naked, still damp, and the AC is set very low. I grab a robe from the closet and sit in the chair that faces the door of my hotel room and I count the locks and hope that no one comes. Sometime during my midnight vigil, my manager calls me. Go to sleep, he tells me. They can't get to you there. That hotel has fantastic security. Go to sleep. We have a meeting tomorrow for a new role. Something that makes them forget the show? I ask, my voice almost breaking. Of course, he says. Something that makes me forget the show, I don't ask. But I don't sleep. I don't need to. It's better that I don't on a night like tonight. I lift weights instead, and I watch the door while I do. The locks never move. The meeting the next morning goes well. They want me for the part. Of course they do. It's almost the same character as the one from the show. And he is a man I know inside and out. This will not make anyone forget. This will put him in the minds of more people. And that is the last thing I want. It is, however, quite a lot of money, and I can tell my manager wants me to do it. So I agree. It is only verbals, after all. The contracts come much later. This is the third date, not the engagement party, so we are expected to play nice and consummate the relationship. But everyone knows that after this conversation, There is only a 50% chance this will end up getting filmed. We go out for drinks and appetizers, and no one says anything when I barely eat. It is expected of men like me to be fussy eaters, and I do not disappoint. A woman from the studio catches my eye over her very dirty martini. No sugar for her just an olive that she licks and puts back in her glass. Her eyes are bright, and when she walks over to me, I brace myself for the inevitable. But she doesn't say any of the wrong things. She just talks about the weather and the movie and how great it would be to work together. I'm warm in the bar. So I take off my scarf and then my jacket. I roll up my sleeves and she stares at the veins and the ink that snake up my forearms. She's very pretty in a forgettable girl next door kind of way. I wonder what in her life led her to the studio. She is a little more real than most of them. I count her one. She feels safe to me. So when she puts her hand on my leg, I lean in and whisper in her ear. We take a car back to my hotel, and the concierge gives us a glance as we head to the elevators. I nod at him, letting him know it's okay. She's safe and I am not afraid. It feels nice, good. It feels right to not be afraid. Her laugh fills the hallway as we walk to the room. She is telling me some story of an actor, drunk and making a fool of himself on set. She doesn't say his name, she doesn't even drop hints, and I like that, I like her. It's a funny story, and I laugh with her. When I close the door behind us, I lock all the locks, just in case. You can never be too careful. Her mouth is soft on mine. She's so lovely. She feels so good under my hands. She pushes me back onto the chair and she straddles me. I feel safe even with her on top of me. I feel so safe until she says it, until she says the words. You look just like him, she murmurs and I tense underneath her. I hate those words. But he's so evil, she whispers. How can you play him? How can you play such a character? I try to kiss her mouth to keep her from talking. She lets me, but the curiosity is in her. After a while, she pulls away. Do you have the razor? Of course I do. Do it, she says. And I realize, she isn't safe at all. I pull the razor out from behind my back, where it always is, and flick it open. She watches, eyes bright, as I slice my finger and rub the blood on her mouth. She moans. She is half here and half there, lost in the ceremony that she watched on the show, and she moves against me. She doesn't understand. She thinks it's a trick. Ask me again, I say, and it's there in my voice. Ask me again how I can play him. How? She says. Excited. Tell me how. She knows I'm famous for not talking about the role. She wants to be the one. She wants to be the one I tell. She doesn't know anything at all. I still have the razor in my hand. I let my face relax. It falls into his eerie, leering grin. Listen close, I tell her. I pull her close against me. We are both enjoying this game. My breath is hot against her ear. I can feel the pulse in her neck against my hand. I found him. I wrote him. I am him. His face from the show is my real face. The face I wear every day is the mask. I hate it when they praise my acting because only I know the truth. What I did on that show wasn't acting. What I did on that show was finding myself. She gasps in delight. She thinks I am playing like she is. I still have the razor in my hand. Neither of us are safe, you know. You know by now. She still doesn't know. She is still gasping and writhing as I reach up with the razor and slash her throat. Her chest. I don't care to mutilate her. I just want the blood, so I slice deep. I am so very, very hungry, and her blood is so very sweet.